23% of users in um, one of our studies cited that a too long or a complicated checkout process was a reason for abandoning the site. This is Time for Marketing, the marketing podcast that will tell you everything you've missed when you didn't attend the marketing conference. Hello and welcome to the Time for Marketing podcast, the podcast that brings you the best speakers from marketing conferences all around the world. My name is Peter and I'll be your host today for the episode number 29 as we are slowly ending the 2019 year the second year of this podcast um before i introduce you to an excellent guest that we have tonight please go and subscribe to the podcast if you like it and of course rate the podcast in your favorite podcast listening app we now have a website it's called timeformarketing.com the number four is a number that sounds very logical. And on the webpage, you can also subscribe to the newsletter. So we send you interesting information about the podcast and marketing conferences. And now we go to our today's guest. We have with us, very glad to have Rebe- Rebecca Hugo. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, Peter. Very glad that you are here today. Um, I saw you speaking at the Slovenian conference, e-commerce day as mind uh, conference. You are the UX auditor at Baymart Institute. Well, what is it? What do you do? And what do you do there? So Baymart Institute are a uh, an independent usability research company, and we specialize in helping other sites improve their e-commerce um, givings to their, their users. So we do all our um, independent research, and from there we distill a lot of our findings. So we found, I think it's 11,000, I think is our current number, of individual um, issues that our users um, have come across when they're testing um, various sites across all industries. And from there, we distill those down into we're over 750 guidelines at the moment. The number's still growing because we have a couple of research studies on at the moment. Hmm. Um, And those guidelines look to the design patterns that either positively or negatively are reacted to by the user. So that is anything from a product detail page layout to how filtering options are um, presented to the user to how um, the checkout is or is not optimized depending on the site. So from there, my role as a UX auditor, um, our clients will come to us and say, could you look at our site and basically audit us, let us know what we are or are not doing well. I suppose it's almost like taking your car in for a service. It's okay, your oil's a little bit low, your windscreen wipers need tightening up, but the leather in your seats are fantastic. And we'll do a similar sort of thing with the with the audit. And it can be anything from just looking at a single section, doing the entire site, or even doing prototypes. And it gets really quite exciting in an odd way, um, looking at how different industries present essentially the exact same information to their users and also the nuances thereof in those um, instances to really create um, a great experience for that user. 
Mm. Um, I do a lot of SEO audits, and when I do, when I begin my SEO audit, I there's always the one thing that I'm going to go and check if it's done right. That's the canonicals and the language alternates. Mm. When you start such an audit, you pro- I know that you probably have a workflow that you have to go through. But what is the one thing that you think that uh, companies are forgetting about and shouldn't be forgetting about? That is a ridiculously hard question, Peter. Um, it, it's so specific because depending on the industry for a start, so if you're looking at a, a gifting website, one of the core aspects of that is going to be wildly different from a heavy text back website. So anything, for example, selling a laptop or even a fridge, mass merchants and so on. One thing we do can fairly consistently find that is still an issue um, with all the sites that we look at is their search. Their search is predominantly quite poor and that's anything from um, the varying types of search you have exact search you have feature search you have slang you have abbreviation um, you've got thematic all of these aspects across the board the search for the majority of e-commerce sites is still surprisingly weak and there are a great deal of users who just prefer to use search and knowing that if your search is particularly weak and then not having a particularly good um, category taxonomy to back that up, it can cause just so many issues for that user. So it's still consistently interesting to find um, and look at what the search landscape looks at um, across the majority of sites, regardless of industry. Yeah, I just, um, one of the SEOs on my LinkedIn feed was showing a couple of examples of, I believe, UK e-commerce retailers who had no results when they when he searched for black friday on friday so yeah it seems that search is something that uh, people are forgetting about or just using the default um, settings of whatever their search is Um, so this is something that we often see uh, very right Um, i've yeah, I've, not, I've mentioned that. I've invited you for the podcast because you had a very interesting presentation at the Slovenian S-Mind conference that was called The Six Findings from Testing the World's Leading Checkout Flows. Before we go to your presentation, how was Ljubljana? How is, I, I know, that's a weird question because I live in Ljubljana. How was Ljubljana? <laughs> how was the conference for you? Um, Ljubljana was, it was beautiful. Um, I sadly didn't get as much an opportunity as probably deserving um, of such a beautiful city to really look around at. One of the um, representatives from um, e-commerce mind was so kind, sorry, e-commerce, I can't even say it now, shoppers mind, (laughs) e-commerce day, uh, was kind enough to actually take uh, myself and another speaker around a little bit um, one of the evenings. So we did get to see some parts of it. And it's, it's such a beautiful city. So I would really like to visit again. Uh, the day itself was great. The atmosphere was fantastic. Everyone was so kind. Um, so it was wonderful having just people being comfortable enough to come to you for feedback for a start. You never know how these go unless someone actually tells you um, exactly what they have or have not been able to take away, mm-hmm. any improvements and so on. So it was it was a lovely crowd. It was really well put together. And it's a real testament to what um, Ljubljana, Slovenia, obviously the Croatia side of things as well, and what the company has been putting together. So I felt very, um, yeah, very touched to be able to have the opportunity to come and speak. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. 
Then let's go to your presentation. So six findings from testing the world's leading checkout flows. Rebecca, here are your five minutes. Okay. So um, obviously the checkout is such an integral part of any e-commerce store. Um, if you can't purchase online, it's not really e-commerce. So having a, a robust checkout, a checkout that's really going to perform well for a user is, is so important. And what we really found was um, over a lot of our data studies was that 70% of users who put something in their cart would end up abandoning it. So that's two thirds of users were just not were going through all the trouble of finding a product um, that they liked, added it to their cart, but they'd still ultimately not purchase it. And if you took away all of those users who were simply not ready to purchase, which is completely fair, there's only so much that a site can do about that. When you look at the reasons that were left, so many of them could be improved with simple, she says, relatively simple checkout optimization. Um, and some of the core things that we're particularly interesting, um, we're particularly interested in, um, one of which is checkout length. So 23% of users in um, one of our studies cited that a too long or a complicated checkout process was a reason for abandoning the site during a checkout process, during their checkout flow. Yet our most recent 2019 checkout UX benchmark, which is something that um, Baymar does, we look at 60 top grossing US and European sites and um, use those to take a look at what the, the landscape looks like for um, uh, e-commerce UX. And we found that the average e-commerce site in 2019 has 12.8 form fields within their checkout flow. And this may not seem like a lot, but considering you could actually essentially half that number, sites could get that number down to six to eight form fields for a guest checkout. 12.8 is actually quite a lot. And there's such a disproportionate amount of time that users will spend with any open text form field, um, increasing time, causing issues, causing errors, that being able to minimize the amount of form fields, the, essentially the amount of tasks a user has to do can really create um, an improved performance and an improved experience for the user. The other thing that we found um, really quite fascinating, or at least I know that I did, was the perception of site security. Because the perception of a site security can be just as, if not even more impactful than the actual site security that, that is present. And 17% of users in the same survey, um, they abandoned the checkout process because they just didn't trust the site with their card information. And users, we found, were believing that part of a page, so um, a few fields, a box, an area, an accordion, were more secure than other parts. And even though from a technical standpoint, this, this doesn't make sense, the page is either encrypted or not, the fact that we were aware of this fact from our users we can then leverage this misconception, um, creating a visual robustness, um, leveraging the importance of site seals, and also what site seals are ben more beneficial. So fascinating thing, we found that some large companies were not given the same weight as just a simple padlock, because that's something that users recognize. So knowing about these particular um, instances and how users react to that information can be so powerful in how we're able to create um, a comforting and a secure experience as well as a, as a good experience for my users. And finally, just the simple fact of mobile keyboard optimization. So there are still issues across so many sites that are simply just not optimizing the mobile keyboard for their users during a checkout and with the occasional even dire consequence. And I 
granted that dire is quite a, a drastic term, but that is exactly what it feels like for a user who doesn't receive their package. Anything from it needing to be for a big event or a wedding or a birthday, not receiving something that you're so looking forward to can, can be really quite detrimental. Um, and we're finding that even something as simple as not disabling the autocorrect feature for fields that don't benefit from it, or name or address fields, that can result in the dire consequence of not receiving a package. And it's something essentially simple. Uh, but our data is showing that 79% of mobile sites are not disabling autocorrect for those sort of fields. On top of that, it's just needless friction from not finding um, or utilizing the optimized keyboards for um, say, uh, email addresses, uh, telephone numbers, credit cards, and so on, the alphanumeric, numeric, the at symbol, and so on. And even on top of that, doing it consistently. 25% of mobile sites weren't consistently evoking optimized keyboards. For example, credit card came up with numeric, fine. But as soon as you went to security code, it go back to an alpha. And again, it just really comes down to this needless friction. And when the companies really pay attention to that and how you can alleviate it, it can just make such a difference to, to the site. Thank you. I have a couple of questions coming here. I've I've listened to your presentation and the idea of thinking about the number of fields in the checkout compared to the idea of number of steps for the checkout was something that was enlightening for me. Um, I was like, how did I ever not think about that? And of course, I went home <laughs> and started minimizing the number of fields on my website. And I came down to I think what was six fields. The question that I have that I had then while watching the data coming in was, did I go too far? And I would like to hear your th your thoughts about that. I feel that you know um, customers sort of are a bit used to having a, a bit bigger number of fields where the post number and the city are two different fields and maybe name and surname are two different fields. And I sort of somehow felt that people have are now misunderstanding my uh, checkout fields. Is this something that mm. you also see in your tests? Things like it will come up occasionally and it's part of the reason for um, uh, good placeholder text, good tool tips. So whenever a user does encounter something not unusual, but something that they're not necessarily used to, it can immediately be a little bit jarring. So microcopy is such an important aspect, especially within the checkout. And I think a lot of UX, uh, sorry, a lot of sites don't necessarily pay attention to their microcopy the way that they should. And there's a reason why um, UX copywriters are becoming such a big career mm -hmm. choice within our industry. And I think it is, it's so important and um, something that's just not paid attention to the way that it should. So there are multiple reasons for anything, sadly, um, as um, if users are used to seeing 12, suddenly seeing six, it can be jarring. But that's not to say that it's a bad experience because it's jarring. It's just a new experience. And there will always be a little bit of um, habituation time, but it's knowing that um, what you're able to actually offer the user is that improved experience. So uh, bolstering the microcopy, bolstering the mm -hmm. placeholder mm -hmm. text, uh, bolstering the tool tips if appropriate. 
And then it's also just determining what is actually useful for your particular site. So if your site is, is niche in any way, six to eight is the average for, air quotes, a typical e-commerce site. But it's ensuring that you don't overly assume anything to be typical. So um, if you're a gift uh, predominant site, then um, changing your uh, address fields uh, or matching your billing to shipping address by default isn't immediately beneficial. If you've got something very important for um, an industrial sort of site, then yes, you might need company details mm. over mm. just having a standard address. So that is the nature of heuristics. Heuristics are a rule of thumb. And we are finding that more often than not, these are the best situations to be in. These are the best patterns to follow. However, never ignore the the niche that you're in if you happen to okay, be in a niche. So the workflow is go and check out the expert findings that you have on your website, then change it on your website, but still measure the impact and see if that you can be directly used on your website or not. Yes, and a great deal. So look at what we've... Um, not only look at what we're suggesting, mm. but why we're suggesting it. So with all of our data, we um, try and back up with what the issue is, why it is an issue. So what we're seeing during um, all of our research to lead us to the conclusion that X is happening, therefore implement Y should alleviate. Because the other side of it, and it's something that we um, will do during um, auditing, is mark something as issue resolved. It's not The site may not necessarily be doing what we have a specifically recommended, but they are circumventing the issue through another implementation. So it's bearing that level in mind as well, whether what we're suggesting of the 774, 67, and we'll eventually keep track of that number there will be a great deal of these that just simply won't be applicable to mm. your industry or mm. to your site. So there's always going to be a little bit of a pinch of salt because that's the nature of heuristics. But that's not to say don't pay attention to what we have found. E-commerce sites, especially in e-commerce sites that feel that search engine optimization is important for them, we can usually see people starting to add category descriptions to their category landing pages. And whenever people start adding that to their e-commerce sites, the question comes up, should we have content above the products or should we have the content below the products? Should we have the content hidden in a read more button or should we not? Do you have any data on how that uh, content can influence people coming to the uh category pages our data at the moment and our research findings we don't have anything specific with with category descriptions what we do find um is the is what that page looks like so if the for example the filters and the actual main list are out of line or if something looks too much too much like an advertisement or a promotion rather than actual benefit um, or an actual product, it can mislead or distract users the same way that banner blindness will just mean that they pay absolutely no attention to it. With a lot of the information, um, an UX can often stand not in the way of SEO, but they're not always aligned with their, with, with their needs quite often. Um, that it's very important to essentially just understand what is the user needing to get from that page. And anything that a site therefore needs to do uh, from a company perspective 
Is it stopping that user being able to do the fundamental tasks that they're looking for? And if that is needing to filter, needing to understand the amount of products on a page, needing to create a, a visual comparison against products, whatever the site or company needs to, to add from, again, a company perspective, as long as it doesn't stop a user being able to, to complete their task, then it really is a design preference. Anything too large that will push us down the content of the page because many users, they're not adverse to scrolling when they've determined purpose. So going through, say, 100 products um, on a, a visual um, push site like apparel, that's fine. Users are quite accustomed to that. But if it's taking them a disproportionate amount of time to understand what the page is actually doing or selling them, then that could be off-putting. So if that product description or category description, sorry, if that category description is particularly long and showing that above the fold, then that could possibly, again, we don't have any hardcore data to say it will, but that could um, pause the user or hinder the user from being able to understand exactly what it is and what it is the page they've landed on. All right. Um, you spoke briefly about the mobile keyword optimization. I'll just add the link to you. If I remember correctly, you have a page where you give examples of how the mobile field should be optimized on your Baymart website. Is that right? Yes, we do. It's um, our little cheat sheet. So um, you can just find all of the code snippets and the, the attributes to establish um, and actually implement um, the best way to optimize these keyboards. Because some of them like uh, card fields, for example, they don't have a direct kind of uh, code phrase, as it were, to trigger numeric. You have to do it slightly more manually. All right. Excellent. Um, Rebecca, I think that's it. <laughs> Um, where can people find you? Do you have conference plans or what are the social networks where people can find you and your company? Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, so you can search for Baymard Institute and you can search for myself, Rebecca Hugo, on LinkedIn if, if that's your prerogative. Uh, at the moment, we don't have any specific conference plans for Europe, but if um, you are interested in getting any of us in the company to speak, please don't hesitate to be in contact. If not, we've also got Twitter. So Baymart Institute are also on Twitter. So uh, we love a bit of a chat. So you're more than welcome to contact us there. And we look forward to speaking with anyone. All right. Excellent. Rebecca, thank you very much for being on the podcast and talking about the UX of eShops. Next time in, you're in Ljubljana, we will definitely meet and go for a trip. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having us today, Peter. Have a great day. You too. Bye.